You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Manning takes off. He's inside the five to the end zone. He dies. Touchdown. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Mike, are you ready for another training camp? Training camp has started. The rookies have been checked in. We are now, we only have one weekend left where there'll be no, and there'll be football every weekend until February 10th. So the, us running through the desert through this uh, spring and summer will be over. All will be right with the world. Football is back. Yeah, rookies and select veterans showed up for camp this week for the Giants. Uh, I believe the rest of the staff shows up on Wednesday. The rest of the roster, I guess I should say. I should hope the whole staff is there. <laughs> they better have been there for the last month. <laughs> yeah. So just in time for training camp, as you would want, the entire draft class has been signed to their rookie contracts. So that includes... Uh, newcomer Sam Beal, who was drafted in the third round of the supplemental draft. It includes Saquon Barkley, who is, I, I believe he was the first of the top five picks to sign his contract. I think so. And yeah. I think it also, it's really funny how people were equating, well, we signed Barkley. Why can't we get a deal with Beckham done? I, yeah, I Can it be any more apples and oranges than somebody who needs to sign a contract to play versus somebody that has a contract. Well, I mean, also one that, is... that's already pretty much drawn up for everybody drafted in the same spot. I mean, it's yeah, it's slotted. This is what he's going to be. He's going to make it. The question will be how much, you know, guaranteed money you're going to give the guy, but the there's very little to argue of. You're already on as close to terms as you can get. Right. You know, Beckham can ask for the moon if he wants to. So I thought it was kind of funny hearing some people bitching and moaning about that where everything even positive news like there'll be no contract holdout no you know no issues with Barkley that turns into a Beckham issue so <laughs> you know as as we actually predicted uh this also includes RJ McIntosh who had not yet uh signed his contract nor has he done anything yet uh he had some sort of I, I was trying to get some clarity on this because I hadn't really seen it widely reported uh and I think it was Ralph Vacchiano responded back to me and said that he has a thyroid issue that came up at the combine and presumably whatever is keeping him out of activities is related to that. So, Okay. You know, but he did, he did sign his contract. Though. He did sign his contract. So now the entire draft class is under contract and they're ready to go hit each other in training camp, which is, you know, we're training camp is real football. Finally, you know, it may not be training camp of 10 years ago, but, well, no, which makes but... which makes every practice and every rep and every uh, film session and every possible everything that much more important. Yeah, absolutely. So in any case, yeah, we're we're back to real football, and and like you said, every every single one of these snaps is going to mean the world to each one of the guys that gets it. Um, the other really really big news that broke today or yesterday, since you're listening to this early in the morning. Um, the Giants have signed Connor Barwin to a two-year contract for about up to $5 million, I believe. Your thoughts? It's it's great to hear. I mean, we, we went over what we thought were the weakest points on this team, and we both agreed that it was the cornerback depth and the pass rush depth, right? Yes. In the last two weeks, they've used a supplemental draft pick 
for cornerback, and they've signed a veteran pass rusher outside linebacker. That's pretty 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 smooth work for you know the limited resources available at this point in the year. Right, and they're both you know they're they're both unusual ways to build your roster. Like if you're going through the the, the biggest things are the draft, free agency, trade. Then when you talk about you know supplemental pick and free agent signing before camp starts like this little you know it's almost like a pre-scrappy pickup yeah so it's 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 unconventional but uh that's what you have to do you know you, you to try to find a market inefficiency and if you see like a guy like this out there you know you jump on him oh yeah and and this is the kind of guy who thrives in the 3-4 defense that James Betcher will run i mean you know he, he played a, a significant amount of time under Wade Phillips just recently with LA but Previously, uh, in Houston, he, he had, a I believe, an 11.5 sack year under Wade Phillips and then a 14.5 sack year under Bill McGovern in Philadelphia, who is an understudy to uh, Wade Phillips. So, Significant numbers. I mean, oh, yeah. 14.5 sacks is very significant. I mean, that would put, uh, that would put him probably first or second. In a giant season for the last five years. Oh yeah, um, he's most recently coming off a five sack year uh, in fourteen games. I think it's also important to remember that he's coming from the L.A. Rams. That's pretty much a team built on its pass rush. I mean, those sacks are all split up between the millions of them. And we're not asking for him to come in on day one and be our primary, you know, pass rush guy either. He's no, he's yeah. Gonna He's going to be part of a rotation and part of that depth, which, again, we talked about, I think, last week or the week before was our biggest concern. So, Yeah, and, and if, you're, if you're just asking for that added five sacks and, you know, some just, you know, tackles for a loss or whatever, it's just a bonus. It's not really – he's wanna, not coming in here to be a banger, you know. Yeah, it's someone you want to give one of the guys a blow on a play or two, which we did not have before. So Yeah, without suffering any sort of negative drawback from it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So, I, I mean, I, I was astounded. I didn't even know he was still out there. I didn't either. Yeah. So. I just assumed he was somewhere that, you know, in the uh, netherworld of the NFL, which I didn't know about. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's an outstanding move, especially for so little. You know, the five million doesn't seem like a lot. Well, I mean, if he—that's one of those things. If you still have the extra cap space for this year, it's not like the NBA where you're worrying about being under the cap in 2019 or 2020 for a free agent run. Mm-hmm. You might as well spend it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and I—I I kind of envision him. You know, he—he's pretty solid against the run. He's—he's he's stronger as a pass rusher, but I imagine him. I, I sort of imagine Kareem Martin taking the opposite side of Olivier Vernon on most downs, but once it becomes an obvious passing down the third and six or longer, I imagine him popping in in Kareem Martin's spot as the, uh, mm-hmm. the the weak side outside linebacker. Well, that's why we have a whole training camp and competition where maybe in past years we didn't have any competition for these things. We're getting some new fresh bodies in here that, you know, we can we can look back on, uh, you know, September 9th or September 10th and say, hey, remember that conversation we had back in late July? Well, all of a sudden his role is completely different than we thought. He might be a starter. He might it's kick ass. possible, yeah. yeah. And I mean, he's one of those guys where you think of him as, you know, being around for a while, but 
he's 31. He's at that point where he can still have like a really big year. He could have like a 10 sack year or something like that. It's not out outrageous for him to do something like that. Yeah, let's not make any false illusions. We're not building our defense around this guy for the next six years. This is Hell a no, no. This is a stopgap for bigger and better things. And if he has a breakout year, you know, a resurgent year, and he has 10 sacks, you know, something. Some teams gonna love to pay more than we'll be willing to next year for him, and sure. that's fine. Yeah. But yeah, so that's that's some pretty big news, and you know, that's it's welcome news considering. You know, when you looked outside of the the starting lineup, our next, you know, big pass rush was probably going to end up coming out of a rookie from Georgia. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, who I was not banking on having a heavy contribution this year. So, again, we, we, that will be to be determined to see how the next you know five six weeks goes. He might be more than we think. Sure, uh, we can only hope. Yeah. All right. Um, what I want to do tonight is, um, in honor of the soon-to-be late, great New York Daily News, they had just had a bloodletting today with half of their editorial staff, but they had something interesting on uh, Sunday's paper. I actually still, you know, being a pre-millennial, I actually still read newspapers, you know, the thing with uh, the, the paper version. But um, they had something – there are five key questions for the Giants of the open training camp. And I think this is a good time to – we spent most of the summer kind of going by position groups and we thought the big battles would be. But I think now is a good time to take a step back and just reset. I know there might be a lot of new people listening to the show now that the season's really starting. Um, but just kind of get our takes on what we think these five questions that the Daily News have posted and what our opinions and takes are. And it will be interesting. We'll take notes on this and we'll look back on this when we do our year-end show and see – how relevant or irrelevant they actually turn out to be. So, are you all ready, Grump? I'm ready. I mean, do you want to start with the heavy hitter, that first big one? Yeah, the first big one, which is the big matzo ball in the room right now. Will the Giants sign Odell Beckham Jr. to a long-term contract, or will Beckham hold out? I mean, well, that's before- going to be that's going to take all the oxygen out of the room for stories, you know, especially as we first. Uh, you know, get started with training camp. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's important to define our terms here. When we say hold out, what exactly do we mean? I mean, do we mean hold out from training camp, hold out from preseason, hold out from regular season? I mean, where where are we saying hold out from? Yeah, I mean, and also we need to kind of segregate that from being held back because of medical. Too. Sure. So... Uh, to me, I think it means, you know, and Kim Jones, I believe, tweeted today, or maybe it was, and we're recording this on a Monday evening, very late on a Monday night, but I believe she, she tweeted out today that he said he's going to be there for the start of training camp. Yes. So I- again, we'll all believe it when we see it, but I, I think in the context of this, I think they're talking about, will he show up on day one? It's it's kind of, you know, for check-in, sign-in all the physicals and stuff. I mean, it might be more symbolic than anything. That's usually what holdouts are anyway. So to me, it is a question of, will he actually be there with his teammates for all the mandatory functions of training camp? And I don't know. What do you think about that? I think he will be there. I think this was last year. Well, two things. I think this would have been last year with last year's coaching staff, or if he did not miss three quarters of the season with injury, 
I would say it was a 100% chance he would hold out this year. I think that it's very important for him if, you know, all the arrows are pointing to the eventual long-term contract being signed. He is going to be a giant for a very long time. This coaching staff is going to be here at a bare minimum as long as the previous coaching staff was here. Hopefully longer. So you really don't want to start that relationship on a bad foot when we know eventually this deal is going to get done, whether it's done before the first preseason game, before the first regular season game, or even before next year. So I I, I think he's going to show up personally. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. I, I think so far one of the things that has been either mentioned too much or not mentioned enough, depending on the day, uh, is that he's done everything right so far. Um, he's shown up for everything. He's done everything. He's been everywhere. Like you said, he might be holding out a little bit due to injury. And by holding out, I mean holding in. Showing up for training camp and not participating, you know, or just being on the side or doing some light work. He hasn't really done – I don't think he's done any team activities in the OTAs or anything. I believe he's done just individual drills. I, I they, think there was – yeah, there was like a couple days he did individual drills, a couple days he did nothing. But yeah. I, I'm I'm fairly convinced that is a joint decision between coaching staff, medical staff, and him and his people. I, I fully agree with that, yeah. And I think that, like you said, he's going to be signed to a long-term deal forever. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that, that the staff, this organization, they want to keep him around. And, and why wouldn't they? And um, – well, nobody creates buzz on or off the field. And, you know, something – some of this stuff is silly. You know, the things he's gotten to has become headlines. But, you know, something – that is Odell Beckham and that is his brand. And yeah. you can't tell me that, you know, football teams, the NFL, are in the business of TV ratings, ticket sales, uniform sales, things like that. And someone like Odell Beckham – keeps his Q score high with being a character. Now, nothing he does are, you know, Aaron Hernandez type things. Yeah, that's or, that's what I was just going to say. Or, or even things like, uh, you know, name your pick. Or not even things even at a, a different way to look at it, like in a Colin Kaepernick way. True. It's something where, you know, the stuff he does, it's, it's in the grand scheme of things, silly and non-issues. Even the boat trip to Miami is more of a perception thing than anything else. Would you say it's Terrell Owens-like? Uh, Terrell Owens seemed to be a little more of a head case. And seemed, I think he had more issues with his coaches and things, didn't he? Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know... Okay, okay, what about... It's more like a Joe Namath thing, if anything. Okay, anyway. interesting. Yeah. I was going to say Ocho Cinco. Yeah. I mean, Ocho Cinco was, yeah, I think that's a, a fair comparison. Uh, or uh, about a Grink, Gronkowski. Yeah, I mean, I guess. He's kind of like a, you know, he's not as a doofus like Gronkowski, but, you know, there's yeah. always just, you know, he's with some partying, you know, at some club or something. He may not have his shirt off, but, you know, there's ladies around everywhere and. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think there's a certain amount of leeway given when your team wins all the time, but it's true. Um, but yeah, exactly. So we we get the point. So, like you said, the organization is in the business of selling the brand, the product, entertainment, entertainment. 
this might be a bold statement, but he's the biggest playmaker, game-changing playmaker the Giants have had since Lawrence Taylor. I ooh, tough one to kind of judge. I I can see it. Yeah. I mean, how one person can completely change a game. I mean, it's just tough very, because it's you're you know quarterbacks make such a difference that you know. Yeah, but I mean, we've never had a. As much as I loved Phil Simms and I, you know, loved Eli Manning, they are not guys that they're not guys that you know they're not elite level quarterbacks where they completely turned around an organization or turned a game around and said that game was won by Eli Manning consistently. Yeah, of course, there's some examples here and there, but you know, Lawrence Taylor completely changed, you know the way the game was played defensively and he completely took over games, important games and big moment games. And Beckham does the same thing. He, t- he, you know, he takes these little slants and he's gone 80, 80 yards touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to argue it. I mean, LT for, again, we're not talking about his faults. We're talking about him as a football player was, you know, he was the MVP of the league as a defensive player. Mm-hmm. That's something you know that hardly ever happens, and yeah. it was for good reason too. Yeah, it, an it, uncontrollable it, monster. Pretty much, yeah. In more ways than one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, as far as Beckham's contract, I, I'm thinking that they want to see some progress from him medically. They want to. They're going to test him in this preseason, and I don't necessarily mean a preseason game. I just mean within this training camp, etc. If they like what they see, and he's so far given them everything, I think a deal is done before the regular season starts. I think so too, and I think this doesn't happen if they didn't trade JPP. Interesting thought, probably. Yeah. So I mean, somebody would have to go. I don't know that it necessarily had to be JPP, but yeah. Well, I mean, his caps. I mean, not as much as this year, but for next year. Yeah. I mean, I they, they made structure this as an extension, so they take full advantage of the JPP salary cap slot next year but um that was a huge contract that was going to be an albatross on this team oh yeah and because it's gone because remember you gotta worry about landing collins too mm-hmm. that's yeah. a as much as i just said he's as big a playmaker as lawrence taylor landing collins value on this team might be comparable to o- obj i would agree he's, with that yeah he's going to be the leader of this defense he is going to be the best player on this defense he is, you know, all pro quality MVP of this team type of guy. And they got to resign him too. I, yeah, I would agree with that. So, I mean, I'm not – I know some fans are shaking in their boots about Beckham's contract and they're checking every day. And, you know, like you said at the top of this broadcast, you know, the we signed Barkley. Why can't we sign Beckham? I'm not worried about it. I, I don't care. It's really not even in the front of my mind. First of all, he's signed through the end of the year anyway, so I don't Yeah. I'm not I will not I will sleep well at night. Even if he doesn't show up tomorrow whenever he's supposed to show up, uh, it's not going to be any sleep loss for me. Yeah. If he holds out through camp, no it may be a situation where he like he holds out for 2 weeks and it's like, "Oh, right, I'm coming back." And then the Giants still say, "Well, it's not happening until the end of the year." I will be nervous when the season is over. And he does not have a contract signed, and he's a free agent. Then I'll be worried. I agree. Until that point, 
It's just going to be a side story we're going to have to follow follow along with. We're just going to have to deal with. <laughs> yeah. Number two of our top five preseason stories. How strong an impact will Pat Shermer have in year one? That's a very open-ended, broad question. Well, there's there's two sides to it. I mean, he's now the head coach, but I mean, we when we talk about Pat Shermer, we talk about him as the the the, the visionary for a completely different offense. Um, as far as what he's going to bring as a head coach, I mean, the jury is really out. It's been a long time since he's been a head coach. You know, he got a raw deal because he went to Cleveland, and that's all <laughs> they ever give out there. But as, but for real, I mean, he got there, Bill and then Belichick. they they changed they changed ownership. I mean, he was doomed. From Jump Street, so I mean, it, there was there was no way he was going to be lasting there for a long time anyway. No matter how good or bad he did, it just it just wasn't going to happen. So as a head coach, I think he's going to bring. He's already brought um, a different level of media presence. Uh, I mean, much more composed. You know, he's he's easier. It's just very straightforward. There's no shenanigans of hiding and keeping secrets from the media because he doesn't want the league to find out what they're up just to being, and just being a creep. Yeah. None of that shit. Um, it's, you know, it's still vague in the way that it's always vague and these answers never really reveal much anyway, but they're friendly. Um, they're somewhat informative, you know, that that's probably the biggest thing I've seen so far from a head coach. I think we're going to see a little bit more, uh, accountability, Probably amongst the players, but that remain. I'm I'm just saying that on a feeling I'm getting. I have no evidence of that. As yeah, far I was as, gonna, yeah, I was gonna, I was using the word professionalism. Yeah, that I think this team under um, McAdoo did not have. I thought it was very slop. I mean, again, a lot of these things are in. You don't know until you're in hindsight and the real story comes out. But you can tell this team was pretty shabby. And I think I used that word last week. How it was run, and yeah. I think attention to detail when you don't, you know, he's going to be running, calling plays and stuff, but it's different from a guy who's never done it before and trying to be a head coach at the same time. There's lessons learned from his last time he's done this. So. Yeah. And, you know, now as we get into the, the offensive coordinator side of this conversation, it's important to understand that Mike Shula was brought in specifically to help with this. This isn't like, the Ben McAdoo situation was a little awkward because it was like he was the offensive coordinator for like a year, I think, maybe two years. And then he just got promoted and it was sort of assumed that he was going to get the job like from the moment he was hired as offensive coordinator. And he kind of like fell up the chain of command without ever really truly getting situated as offensive coordinator. And when yeah. he got promoted, it almost seemed like they were just like, yeah, Mike Sullivan, whatever, familiar face, you get in here. Yeah. hold this position and I'm still going to do everything I was doing already. This is a little different. I mean, you know, he's coming in here as a head coach. He's got years of offensive coordinator, years of offensive coordinator experience. And they're bringing a guy in specifically at the same time as, as him. And they're working together on it. Um, I to think implement it's his be... vision to implement his vision. He has a vision of what he wants to do. He may not, he's not going to be as, you know, nuts and bolts as McAdoo was, but he has a guy who can run that vision for him. Yeah. And as far as his impact as an offensive coordinator, I think is probably going to be the biggest impact that any newcomer is going to have on this year's team. Um, you know, Nate Solder is probably the second biggest impact, and then third will probably be Barkley. Um, but 
the reformation of this offense is, you know, th- th- there wasn't a huge turnover in roster. I mean, we I feel like I say this constantly, but the difference in roster talent from the best team to the worst team in the NFL is not massive. Um, it's, you know, the preparation and the coaching. And, and switching schemes from a scheme that, I mean, I could have told you what the play was going to be before it happened, and who the <laughs> fuck am I, you know, to, to a, a very... You know, a guy who has a resume of changing the scheme to fit his players everywhere he's been, I I cannot state the value of that. I think that is the biggest change, the biggest impact to this team. Two bags. I had my base eleven T-shirt all ready to go for this year, and nice. now to get something else. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, number three. Will Eli Manning and Davis Webb justify the New York Giants' confidence in their quarterbacks? Very interesting because Pat Shermer, GM, all the way up through Mara, they have committed to Eli Manning. So much so that they passed on a number two pick in the draft to pick a quarterback. The question is going to be, you know, I've seen in a lot of places some articles that the pressure's on Eli this year. The pressure's on Eli this year. I don't look at it as the pressure's on Eli. The pressure to me is on, you know, this, you know, the upper, the management of this team. Yeah, that they they had to live with. I mean, Eli, you know, for all the things of him being thirty-seven and stuff, you know, what, what pressure is there? I mean, he fades off into the sunset after this year. I mean, it's not like he's playing for another job or another situation next year. Um, he's gonna have the best offensive line he's had in several years. He's gonna have the best running back he's had. Period. I think ever. Yeah, years. probably. Since in, like maybe Tiki years. Barber, maybe. Uh, well, the upside of Barkley is a lot. Yeah, I would say Tiki Barber is the best running back he had yeah. in the 15 years, but I think Barkley's upside is a lot better than Tiki Barber. Probably. Um, he's going to have a complement of, you know, an elite wide receiver, a number two wide receiver who's coming into his own, a, a hybrid tight end slash wide receiver that can create mismatches. Uh I don't look at that as pressure on Eli, but I also look at that as a short-term thing. You know, really comes down to Davis Webb. I, I, I think is really more of the pressure on. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, I mean, you can say the pressure's on the the head, the, the front office, all you want, but I mean, the fact remains, it's not like Sam Darnold is gonna come into this and lead this team to a Super Bowl. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, I. I yeah, maybe there's like a future cast in there, but really you're betting Davis Webb over these guys. Yeah, you're you're betting you're betting that Eli has two years of shelf life, which might be a little more than most people think, and you're thinking Davis Webb's a guy who can slip in after that. Because we should not be drafting second or third anymore. Right. And if they if they feel that Davis Webb is not the answer and they wanna, you know, that would require a major investment of draft picks to make a trade up to get somewhere where there is a true franchise quarterback. And I don't think they want I, I think they just kind of made that decision that they, they have enough, you know, belief in that longer than we think Eli, that he's at least serviceable. And then Davis Webb can be enough where he can just kind of get in there and, and you know, be a legitimate starting quarterback in this league. That doesn't mean that Davis Webb has to come in and be the next guy to play for 12 years. It's someone that can be serviceable until he proves he isn't, and it's not a complete disaster. 
proving he isn't. Number four, can James Betcher's defense erase the bad taste of Steve Pagnolo's 2017 unit? What do you think? <laughs> I think this defense needed an attitude adjustment as much as anything. And, you know, we discussed it in last week's episode how every single member of the secondary was suspended for some point last year for issues with the coaching staff or subordination or something. Um, obviously, his, his, his fingerprint's going to be there. We're going to a 3-4, which, you know, changes up how, you know, more more aggressive and, and different things they're going to do. Um, but I, I think it started with a, with a, uh, an attitude adjustment, which I think they're going to get from, from Betcher. Yeah, I'm going to say eventually. I'm not holding out hope that this year suddenly this is going to be a top five defense. It would be nice, but you know, like you said, they're switching to a 3-4. This is a whole new ball game. I mean, they had to get all new parts, and you could see, I don't want to say desperation, but sort of reaching to familiarity. I mean, they're reaching out to Kareem Martin, ex-Cardinal, Josh Morrow, ex-Cardinal. Mm-hmm. You know, Connor Barwin played for Pat Shermer at one point. They're, they're sort of trying to gather up pieces to make it work quickly. Um, well, they want to get – I think the big thing is they want to get the process in place. Yes. So you can replace – You know, they, these guys are definitely placeholders. They, you want to make that learning curve a lot simpler. Yes. You, know, you take the 7-Eleven guys from last year in a whole different scheme, you're going to have problems. You may be taking a step back in ability or – age or reliability or anything but they know how to run the system you can plug and play other guys in there and you can replace these guys once you know there's going to be you know another draft coming up really soon another free agent round there might even be you know training camp cuts you might find somebody that fits your thing everybody can't assume that you know everybody wants it now yeah and when you bring in a new coaching staff, especially one where you're going to change up how you run your offense and your defense, there's going to be some transition time. So I, I, I kind of agree with you. I think that uh, you know, it's going to be a to be determined. You know, you'll start to, you might see a step back before two steps forward in 2019. I, I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, to take a couple steps back before they start going forward again. Let me ask you a question. What level does this defense need to play that can how how good can the offense be where the defense can be I guess absorbed you know while they're trying to figure themselves out and get their sea legs what level of offense do we need to have to overcome that do we need to have or do I think we can have I I mean both well I don't think this is a defense that will be so bad that we need to be putting up 30 points a game um I I I'm just I, – I expected something – you know, the expectations are very high, so I kind of wanted to temper that and bring people back a little bit. Uh, but why, I, are, why, are, why are these expectations so high? I mean, I, what, you know, the excitement what, of getting rid of junk, you know. Uh, all right, that's different though. That's just, okay, now we're riding the ship. I mean anybody who has, you know, delusions that we're making the playoffs. I mean, okay, don't listen to the episode where we – Last we spent an yeah. entire summer going through what we thought the season would be, but you know anybody who's assuming or expects his team to make the playoffs this year might be in and probably will be in for a rude awakening. I mean, you might see 
You give me eight and eight right now. Playoffs or no playoffs, I'll take the eight and eight. Oh God! After last year, yeah. Exactly. That's a five game turnaround from last year. If that's not going to be enough to make people, you know, happy with the progress of the first year and the, the overall tone and direction of the, of the franchise. I don't know what to tell you, but you're right. People are going to be pissed off about, you know, everything going forward. I think our job on this show is to kind of temper expectations and make realistic expectations. I think that before if, I go before I really go off every Sunday, but yeah. that's I think that if James Betcher fields a top fifteen defense, which is essentially the upper half of the league, that will be enough for the offense to score enough points to win. I'll say yeah. that. Um, it won't be an every week thing, but it's just. I, I, and the offense has all the tools to make it happen. I, I'll say that right up front. I mean, you, you name a position group on the offense, and they can score from it. All right, and finally, number five. How good will Saquon Barkley actually be in his rookie year with the Giants? It's a loaded question. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more production out of him catching out of the backfield than we will see running between the tackles. Uh, it's not something he did a lot of at Penn State. and you know Penn State didn't really have a great offensive line either, but you know neither does this team. Uh, we've, yeah. we've, we've upgraded the tackle spot a little bit. We've got a guard out of college who's a bastard and that's that's great but uh, you but know these are not the hogs yeah these no, are no, no. Not, let's not get crazy yeah if he were running behind dallas's offensive line i would say potential rookie of the year candidate absolutely if um, the grump if the grump is running behind that offensive line i'd give you rookie yeah, of the okay, year as well so thank you um <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think he's going to make a huge difference um and i think Given the weapons on offense and the inability to double everybody, you know, kind of mentality, he's going to open. I mean, if you're really analytically looking at what he's going to open up for, say, Sterling Shepard or <clears throat> Evan Ingram, you know, these guys are going to get more touches because linebackers are going to have to come up and follow him out of the backfield. And people who are really quick in small spaces like Sterling Shepard or Evan Ingram, who can really burn you deep with. 4-4 four, four speed from a tight end, which is ridiculous. Um, when you really, truly analyze that as part of his impact, I, I think it's going to be a very huge impact. I just don't know that it's going to be numbers-based this first year. I think he's... We haven't had a guy since Bradshaw who really can create something out of nothing in the backfield. True, yeah. And I definitely think that is something where, you know, yards after hit, I don't know where we ranked in it, but it was probably pretty shitty. I can't imagine it being a negative number. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we finally have a weapon back there where just because, you know, somebody lays a finger on you, you don't go down. And that might be something that impacts three plays a game, but those three plays a game might move the chains. Sure. And something we did not have in the last couple of years, you know, the hype is certainly there for him. People are going to be expecting, you know, 1,500 yards rushing and, you know, a highlight a week and all this stuff. It's just, you know, remember what he's, what kind of offensive line he's running behind. We still have a million questions about who our ultimate our right tackle might be or, you know, different things. So, so that's sort of our, our I guess, um, response, our homage our, to. Yeah. The New York Daily News, you know, good luck, everybody trying to get jobs, all yeah. you writers. You know, we hate to see 
we hate to see newspaper. We like competition, and uh, you know, hopefully you guys will get gigs somewhere, and uh, that's that. So this this has been pretty much our reset episode for everybody new listening. Now that we're really into football season, you we will have weekly shows up until the season starts, and then what we do is we have a a Tuesday show recapping the previous game and a Friday morning show previewing the following game. So the, the com- upcoming game. Correct. Correct. Yeah. We'll start that when the regular season happens. We don't need previews and reviews of, of preseason games. So yeah, we'll, no. we'll start, we'll start that schedule in September. Yeah, no. We will talk about things that impressed and annoyed us <laughs> in the previous game. And yeah. as well as all different, uh, News and notes. I, I know we're going out to Giants training camp on Monday, so we'll have uh, we'll probably record either that night and give you, you know, the full analysis of everything. So, and you will find all that in live action. Um, if you follow us on Twitter, we'll be tweeting right from training camp. Um, I'm at football underscore grump, and I will send some pictures. That'd be pretty nice. I am at the cranky fan. Um, obviously, discussing all things New York Giants as well as Florida Gators. You can. Catch my companion podcast, Mark and the Cranky Fan, where we discuss all Florida Gator football. Now that uh, SEC Media Day is over, we're getting close to another week or so before fall camp for that starts, so I'll be doing double duty. Uh, You can catch both shows, as always, on iTunes and SoundCloud. Please give us a five-star rating and a nice review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more Giant fans we can talk to, and we come to our dream of actually getting paid to do this show. Wouldn't that be nice? A lifelong dream that seems always just an arm's length away. Yeah, in honor of the New York Daily News, I am cutting fifty percent of the uh, Just Giant staff, and we can all say goodbye to the cranky fan now. <laughs> um, also, you can follow the show on Twitter at Just Giants Pod if you want an immediate update when the next show is posted. Be sure to follow us there. Yep. All right, go Giants. Go Giants. Let's go!